Welcome to the Think Fit, Be Fit podcast, part of the Think Fit, Be Fit podcast network, where we put the power of dynamic fitness back in your hands one mental rep at a time. Effective thinking for potent fitness. Welcome to the show. Today I sit down with Ben Dragovan, former Major League Soccer goalkeeper who runs Dragovan Performance and works with Goalkeeper Complete. He is a muscle system and joint specialist who has worked at the national level with goalkeepers like Hope Solo and has evolved to working with Major League Baseball players and several other types of athletes. He is a seasoned professional in giving athletes an edge in efficiency, athletic development, and career longevity. He is also my friend and a repeat guest here at Think Fit Be Fit. You can check out his full bio at dragavonperformance.com, check out our previous episodes linked in the show notes, or give him a shout at Dragavon Performance on Instagram. In this episode, we discuss a lot of things really, but a very important topic of mental wellness and physical wellness. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Thanks for being here. All right, here we are again. Ben Dragavon, thank you so much for coming back to Think Fit Be Fit. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yes, I just love that I've created this space where I can have fun and have intellectual conversations with my colleagues that I've, you know, like you, that I've grown these relationships with over the years. And it's fun for me to go into like details about your thought process, your training process, and, you know, share, you know, my reflections and what's going on on my, my side of the country. And, you know, working with similar athletes. And so it's fun for me to have these conversations. So yeah, thank you for being here. You know, you know, it's interesting is that we are at, a, we are at over a decade now of knowing each other. Oh my God. Oh, well, you look the same and very young and full of life. So good for you. <laughs> I'm glad I look that way because that's not, that's not the reality. <laughs> that's how I feel. dang yeah that is a decade yeah because if we yeah because we just have to look at like class dates right and you're like okay where's that notebook i still have it for some reason yeah and you know i don't truly remember what we did in our last episode but i walked away inspired and taking a hard look at education for fitness professionals and like the responsibility in that realm. You know, I want to say we went deep into your thought process in general, but as usual, like I can I can continue to go down these rabbit holes with you. And I think honestly, if you and I were hanging out and having a drink or whatever, we would either be talking about this stuff or your dogs. So I think this yeah, is, you know, yeah. I just love like the honesty there, you know, because like I think that's what's so cool about podcasts is like you feel like you are having like, you know, coffee or a drink with the with the people like it, you know, recording the conversation. So Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Definitely definitely my dogs. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um (laughs) so anyways, I thought when we were kind of, you know, throwing some ideas around I really wanted to touch base on like what you've been up to this past year, how your process has evolved or, you know, maybe gone back to something that you were doing 10 years ago that you forgot about. So what have, what's been new for your practice in the past year? 
in the past year, well, I think uh, just like everyone else, navigating COVID and and, and how to uh, maybe not only grow your practice but operate in new normals within that practice has has been a shared challenge for all of us in this industry, right? Um, new mandates, especially in the the area and the part of the country that we're in, that you know they're pretty specific on what you can and cannot do and who and who can't come into your facility and, and, you know, following all those rules and doing that appropriately has been not overly challenging, but it has just created a new dynamic of how we operate our facility. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not free willy nilly. Everyone come in and you can work out, do whatever you want. It's, it's, uh, you want to be safe and appropriate with whatever we're doing. So it's, mm-hmm. that's something we've had to adapt to mm-hmm. in terms of business growth, you know, bringing people in, like I just discussed with you, it has its challenges because now you're trying to educate someone on, on maybe technical still skills that you have evolved with or adapted to yourself. And it's kind of your own flavor on something. And you're trying to learn how to teach it to somebody else, which mm-hmm. kind of challenges you to challenge yourself, I suppose, and mm-hmm. how you're thinking and making sure you're actually doing what you think you're doing. Because now you actually have to teach it to somebody and you're like, you have to teach it, teach it to another try to have practitioner versus just you know, sometimes with a client, you can go, well, you can play it off a little bit if it wasn't the right thing to do or, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that, but that makes you, again, learn more about yourself and learn about what you're yeah. actually doing, which is a, a real positive to, to challenge yourself in that way. And, and, you know, just as we discussed, challenge some fears that you may have or some insecurities and with, with what you actually were doing and go, mm-hmm. okay, I need to dive into this a little bit more. That has been fun, I suppose, uh, if necessary for growth. And then really diving in, not just to the uh, the technical work of, of working with a human body, but uh, integrating uh, the mental and the physical and, and, and diving into that relationship and exploring those avenues of, of training as well. Because mm. I think they're necessarily complementary and they need to be addressed. Yeah. On my intake form for any of the services, and I even ask like younger athletes this, as well as like 70 year olds, it's when you are exercising, you are also training your body and mind. Mm-hmm. And I just asked them, have you considered this before? That your body right. and mind are part of your exercise. And it's just a yes, no, but it kind of gives me a idea of, you know, how to approach a conversation about some important things that may come up in our sessions. So I've definitely consider that. And I mean, you could even say, you know, that that specific line, you know, is adapted from our friend and colleague Jacques, right? When you're training. Sure. Yeah. And to have like a whole extra definition of the mind as well, I think is pretty evolved. And if one of my clients is already thinking about that, man, I want to know because it it helps me you know, talk about that relationship that you just mentioned of mind-body performance, you know, health. And that, that, that question itself is, is brilliant in, in a lot of ways because you can learn so much from their answer. And mm-hmm. then you can dive into that and go, do, does this person even have the capability to think on that level? Mm-hmm. And if yeah. they don't, you may, may be missing big, big chunks of the puzzle that may be uh, limiting what their overall performance could be or their ability to get well. Mm-hmm. Because if psychologically they can't get to a level where they can really feel and understand what is going on within their body, how do you know how to help them? Yeah, I, the, I think I kind of start the conversation with, um, I just like introduced the idea the placebo effect is not 
something that we should dismiss. I think it should be like welcomed into anything that you're doing. Yeah, because it's been kind of demonized in the past. But, you know, for me, I think it's kind of brilliant because, you know, you're, I mean, building confidence is such a part of the process of building health and performance. So why wouldn't you welcome the pot, like a positive connection with the outcome that you're trying to create? So that's kind of where I start. And then, if they still look at me like I'm a, a, a little, you know, too far out in some spiritual la la land, or you know, because they're already, you know, coming into something new by just interacting with me, yeah. So if that part of the conversation doesn't go in into like a bigger conversation about the connection of the brain and the body and the mind. I, you know, I, I kind of just like step back a little bit and say, okay, when are we gonna start? start the real education process here so that they can kind of start putting all this stuff together. There is a, a, a definite, I think, art and skill set to that communication to be able to talk about that stuff in a way that doesn't seem off-putting to whoever you're talking to, depending on who they are. And the way yeah. I bridge that gap is by being very, very vulnerable about my history with my mental health, my experiences with trying to figure out my own body, being a professional athlete whose career was cut short because of injury, and then dealing with the subsequent uh, identity issues after the fact of, okay, what do I do now? I had this facade of being immortal, essentially, physically, by ignoring a lot of warning signs that were in my body, because that's what I was taught to do. And now how do I switch this and, and get really kind of deal with being a bulletproof person. Yeah, my body isn't feeling right. I need to address some things instead of just pushing through it and getting to a point where I just broke myself further. Mm -hmm. So I share that. I'm, I'm happy to, and I'm happy to share uh, the work I did after I was done playing to deal with some of that stuff. Cause it, it, it's a lot of work and um, not everyone needs to, not everyone needs to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, I did. But by being able to share that confidently, uh, it allows me to connect with whoever I'm working with on their level mm -hmm. and it makes them feel safe. And again, not everyone needs it, but mm -hmm. a lot of people do because mm -hmm. emotional trauma will always manifest in some sort of physical sensation in your body, whether it's tightness or, or something else, like you clench a jaw or and if, if, if tightness is a protective mechanism in your body and it's always there because something psychological going on, you may be missing something in terms of getting someone as well as they could be or getting them to perform as well as they could be or understanding that maybe you need to refer out to somebody who really can help them in a different way before they get to you. I heard this analogy from on, not from, not he was talking, he was not talking to me, but Dr. Peter, Peter Atia on his podcast, mm -hmm. it's called The Drive. And he was talking to, I don't know if it was his friend, but he's an author of a, he's a psychiatrist and he writes about trauma, healing from trauma and kind of, I want to say it's new age compared to most psychiatry practices. And, and he knows it because when he speaks at these conferences, he says, the fact that he's even bringing up trauma at psych in a psychiatry environment was very surprising to everyone in the in the audience. So it feels very new age on his end. But the 
analogy that they were going through to kind of explain how we can address trauma that is really psychologically holding people back. So, you know, you and I are looking at the physical sometimes and being like, well, there's this whole other thing in the background that you're not even aware of, right? And it's influencing Mm -hmm. you on many levels day in and day out. And that analogy was that, you know, psychological and emotional trauma is kind of like an abscess. And an abscess like protects itself with, you know, inflammation and infection and not protects itself with the inflammation, but it puts a barrier around the inflammation and the infection to keep it there. So it doesn't mm-hmm. go everywhere. But they said when you're treating it in a medical way, and Peter Atia has done some, you know, very medical hands-on things, right? And he said when you're treating it, that it gets a little worse before it can actually heal and get better because the infection's coming out and it didn't want to come out. Like the body wanted mm-hmm. to contain that area. And I said, wow, that does kind of work for the emotional stuff. I like, I kind of got it. And then I was, I was thinking that it could even work for, you know, on the, the mechanic, like in the mechanical level of, you know, when somebody has, is starting to resolve their issue around like their hip or their knee or their toe, whatever it is, it might get a little worse before it gets better. And I thought it was kind of a good analogy to share with people. I'm just pondering yeah. it. You got any thoughts on that? Should I start well, yeah, because you, you may open some some floodgates that were buried off for a long time, and then they have to go through a healing process themselves to deal with that. I mean, trauma can layer itself down deep and deep and have protective barrier over protective barrier and protective barrier. And yeah, sometimes when you open that up and open that box up, yeah, you, something's going to come out because it needs to. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, you could hold it in forever, but you're going to have, you know, energy issues you're going to have flow issues you're going to have all sorts of things and you may never heal uh, if you don't address some of that stuff um, i know personally again and i am going to talk about myself because that's what i have as a resource such that's my experience the injuries that i had as an athlete didn't go away until i started dealing with that stuff mm-hmm. i felt i had surgeries and i felt the same pain after the surgeries than i did before i had the surgeries and i go okay so surgeries I had should have fixed this problem. I should go get back to where I want to go. But I was getting injured in the exact same way as before. And mm-hmm. by the way, that, that added a whole nother layer of emotional issues at that point with the frustrations of that, which is how I got into this industry in the first place. Because I knew there was something going on that wasn't correct. The depth of how deep it can get seated in there, you, you don't even realize because you know a lot of it gets stored up in your body from an age that you don't have a memory of it. So yeah, if you really want to address some of that stuff, you have to go into some deep dives and open up some be vulnerable enough to open up some doors and take a peek inside for sure. Yeah. For sure. So would you, now I'm going to jump all the way into it, like right into a training session and you're now the facilitator of this training session. So if you're working with an athlete and you both have agreed that there is some kind of emotional trauma jumping into the picture and creating, you know, something like some kind of barrier to like, their performance do you do some like graded exposure and try to build their confidence i stay within my scope of practice that's for mm-hmm. sure i do a little bit of a, a cognitive assessment whether they know it or not and i get that engage it uh, just from how we're communicating and the type of responses that they they give me 
And there's one or two ways to address it. If there is an issue, I have no issue communicating it with them. And if they don't respond well to it, then it's, it, it's got to be driven by them, for one. They may just have limits in what their performance can be. Because for me, the opportunity for great performance, and I say this to them square up, is, is wellness has to be the, the baseline, mental and physical. And if you're, you have beat up joints and you're inflamed all the time, your opportunity for performance is going to go down. If you're beat up and inflamed from a mental and emotional standpoint all the time, your performance may not be what it could be also. So you may want to address that. I do have some, again, tools that are within my scope that I feel that are my scope, depending on who I'm working with that I, I, I play with. But if it's if it's deeper than that, then I refer out because that might be the most best thing for them before mm-hmm. they can get to where they need to go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had that conversation yeah. this week. It's all about how you communicate with them. It's not like, hey, man, you need help. Like, you don't do that. Like, it's just like that's but that's the, the trust that gets built up over time between you as your, their practitioner and, and, and you guys working together on whatever their goals may be. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's easier with someone that you've been working with. But yeah it's it's an important conversation and it's important to be confident in having that type of conversation with, with whoever you want to help i think because yeah. uh, this day and age especially mental health is so prominent at the forefront of a lot of things and it's not uh, a demonized thing anymore you're not weak for saying that you need help with something you're a lot stronger now for doing that because it's it's just everywhere right everyone's got it the world's a crazy place at the moment so yeah, yeah. It, it's becoming it's easier to bridge that gap from a conversation standpoint. Yeah, you know? and then you, you take that one step further from like, uh, okay, pro athlete. Because I was a pro athlete and a professional coach, I can I, I have an easier time communicating that on that level. And I think uh, more often than not, I get positive feedback from them being able to share those experiences because when you share it and they know that I've done it, they're open to sharing it as well, right? Because because they get it, you know. Now you get someone from. Microsoft who has a foot issues, you know, or whatever, and can't stop running. They need to go for a run. I have to go for a run, but then they hurt themselves running. And now they go, you wonder, okay, why did you need to always go for a run in the first place? And a lot of times it's a psychological issue, overthinking, narrative-based things that are going on their brain on nonstop. And when they get their heart rate to a certain level, then the thinking stops because they're in a different Mm-hmm. mode physiologically and mm-hmm. they need to do that and now that they're hurt because they've overdone it blown past their thresholds now they're the rehab they just get it fixed right now and it's like mm-hmm. okay we need to actually address what the real glitch is it's, yeah it's something yeah. on here yeah i feel like well you do some work in like crossfit like oh, yeah. populations i'm sure that would be it that that's a prime location for that to like well i'll give here's one of crossfit i make <laughs> CrossFit's a sport, so we'll leave it there. Yeah. Especially my experience with the, the people I work with is a fantastic community, a very, very supportive people, and they love that part of it. It's a big deal. But like any athlete, they are beating the crud out of their joints. And it's also a quick hit to get to that kind of exhaustion phase so they can get out of their head as well. So I bring that up with, with the, the CrossFitters I work with, and I work with a spectrum of them. I work with some that are world champions and some that are more recreational but it's the same conversation yeah yeah i know i want to talk to that master champion guy you work with i want some tips <laughs> amazing not that i do yeah, anything close to what he's doing but like i'm like wow he's got to know something uh, he, yeah and and he also has it down in business and like he's he's something else yeah 
That's cool. Different, different level. Yeah. 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 It looks like you guys have a good relationship. No, I asked, I I don't know when this episode's coming out, but there's an episode coming out on Think Fit, Be Fit with a neighborly friend of mine. Her name is Dr. Lauren Fisher, and she's a psychologist. And I said, Does fitness need to be trauma informed going forward? What do you think? Mm -hmm. I don't remember what she said. You're going to have to listen. So, well, if, if holistic training is a thing, and people claim they're doing it, they better be addressing that part of it. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I think holistic, just like activation is a a bastardized word that people don't really understand what that means. It's just buzzword, you know, sound bites at this point. There's a lack of education in it, what it really means to each person. And even if you think you understand it, how do you interpret that information or data and utilize it in a positive way that helps this person? Those are uh, different levels of, of, skills and mastery of, of your craft so but yeah it's something that needs to be i mean there, there's scientific data on it it's not like made up stuff mm-hmm. mind body is not not a fake thing no I, yeah i mean it's like for me like a great time to just be in the space of mm-hmm. one going i'm turning 40 in a couple months and like we're in a generation of people that are like all right well I want to perform as I age and I've got multiple ways to make that happen mm-hmm. instead of just kind of rolling over and saying, Oh, I'm just going to hurt. Oh, I've got arthritis. Oh, you know, it's too stressful. I have to do this. And I think it's a real honor. So I really like highlighting that whole, like just mindset that we're like a first generation of people that are aging with like a choice of how successful and how good we want to feel. And it's freaking amazing. Hello, Jennifer here. If you're enjoying this episode and are hungry for more mental reps about exercising efficiently and effectively, make sure to check out the other shows in our network, Peach Pit Fitness and Fitness for Consumption. We explore it all, from celebrity workout trends to peer-reviewed research. Focus on what really matters, synthesizing accurate information into meaningful action for you and your clients. Enhance your fitness mindset and process by listening to all Think Fit Be Fit podcast at thinkfitbefitpodcast.com or on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for your support and enjoy the rest of the episode. Kind of want to shift over to talking about collecting data, using it in your training decisions and your thought process. I'm curious because, as you know, like my business has grown and I'm now like mentoring and teaching an employee how to think and and be a critical thinker. And you know, you're um, you know, you're one of those people I can ask, how do you think critically? <laughs> So I guess like, are you, where are you at this point in like using technology and collecting like data points with your populations? Yeah, that's, that's, uh, I'm very active in that now for a couple of reasons. Having your eyes open enough to know that local problems don't always require local solutions in your body. Mm. You got to think a little bit more well-rounded and be able to explore and look other places to see what what is leading to that particular sensation that you don't like uh, that needs mm-hmm. to be changed? Mm-hmm. So 
data. Greg Mack's brilliant at teaching this stuff, you know, like different types of measurements, different type of control positions, what type of outputs can you use? I mean, from dynamometers to get up and using machine. I mean, everyone has access to their weights. I mean, that's the first step of data collection is you can actually measure the weights that you're lifting. And uh, as long as you understand machines are using all that stuff, you know, you can take, take a Tom Purvis class and figure that out. But it all just gives you a, a, a better idea of where you want to start to try to fix a solution or create a solution for a, a potential problem or at least some starting point. Right? It doesn't mean you won't adapt off, or won't adapt off that, but you need to figure out where do I start with this human from everyone's different intake, everyone's different injury history, uh, you know, psychological, like we're talking about. And then I add in the actual technical uh, data components to it. It's now you can start to create a picture of where we want to start. It may not be completely accurate, but it's better than just open. I've got different devices now for again, measuring output you know there's like you know the tendo units where you can measure how fast you can do these contractions um concentric and eccentric just have a you know from from a sports background i have a technology that, that measures speed and agility and different deceleration rates all that stemming from an initial intake and uh, mobility profile of what is this person presenting as in, in, in different configurations and what is their control overall mm-hmm. to ultimately address what their goal is mm-hmm. yeah and that's all yeah. that matters. I think, yeah. Well, I mean, I'd like to point out like the opposite, which is what most, especially in the athletic training scope, they walk up to the trainer, let's say, or the, yeah, the trainer. And they just, they're like, okay, what's wrong with you? You know, and they just go down this list of what's tight, what's the FMS, you know, calling out like different inefficiencies with it being very arbitrary. And, you know, I think like a lot of that like came from the FMS where it's like, oh, because you're an athlete, we're just going to assume like you have multiple things wrong with you because you, you know, you stress your body. And not to say that, that, you know, there might be some, some truth into like, yeah, we get beat up by playing sports there's truth in that but mm-hmm. it's not true that we ha- we can improve just by focusing on those weaknesses you know it's like we can improve by yeah the weaknesses are definitely a part of it but does it always have to be like so such a negative takeaway from it i don't yeah i'm ge- i'm hoping that's the the case that it can be I don't know. Um, I try my hardest to frame it in a way that we can get information and look at and get dialed in information and then look at the bigger picture. And then honestly, like sometimes I just congratulate people from like, wow, you are compensating really well. Like, this is great. Mm -hmm. You know, um, can we work from there? Yeah. Yeah, we got to take the data and accept it for what it is sometimes also. It's just information. And then how you use that information can be positive or negative as well. Because okay? for years and for sports, I've, there's been data collection going on and you're making, and I've heard it firsthand, massive inferences about what that data means about a person, even though you haven't done anything more to explore that or have any idea what that is that actually accurate or are you just saying something kind of, you're creating that inference. You don't yeah. know that for a fact. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, and I know, again, in the sports world, jobs are affected by that type of stuff. So I know there's reluctance in certain sports to have data collection because it affects their contracts and how much money they make because look at these numbers. And again, it just depends on uh, the eye of the beholder, whoever has that information and what, what they're choosing to do with it, just like any other piece of information it can be used for a positive thing or you can be completely wrong. And I think there needs to be a humbleness to data collection mm-hmm. as well. It's like, okay, this is what I'm looking at. It still doesn't mean I'm right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, this is this is where we're going to explore, but it doesn't mean I'm a completely accurate with what I'm I'm looking at. Yeah. there's there's always a, another layer to that that lens that you can get, get further and further into that might be affecting it. So there's always little ticking things in there that you can't see, and just so you got to proceed with appropriate caution, I suppose, with what you're doing. Well, luckily. In one way, a lot of people aren't operating with a whole lot of information about their body. Mm-hmm. In one way, that's dumb luck. It's good luck to have yeah. little information about what's going on. And then on the other hand, you get all this information and then like you have a whole new responsibility. You've done that to that point where, okay, you start doing MAT on people and mm-hmm. you, know, you first start you're taking the course for the first time and you're like, oh, you don't want to stretch. You don't want to do that. You don't know. And then people are like, well, what the hell can I do? You know, like, or they are so afraid to shut a muscle down that they don't do anything anymore. It's like, no, that's not, that wasn't the right idea either. You know, like, because <laughs> I experienced that myself as an athlete. Yeah. Like, I was getting treated and I, and I was like, I don't want to work out because I don't want anything to be shut down. It's like, well, how the hell am I supposed to do my sport? I'm too weak. Like, because I stopped working out and I literally did that because, and for me personally, it wasn't necessarily an MAT issue, it was a, my head issue again like now that created a fear i don't want to i don't want to feel pain anymore so i don't want to do anything that causes pain for me working out the way i was which was the biggest problem it was the inappropriate loading that i was doing the inappropriate dosage that i was doing that caused the pain not the exercise the whole exercise itself i need to rethink and relearn how to exercise my body i didn't need treatment i needed to train better Mm, yeah 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 i was definitely super sketch with my body when I first started getting treated. I was like, oh, yeah. how am I going to keep it within the limits? You know, <laughs> how am I going to, yeah. how am I going to do that? And like that, but you know, I have to say like that sent me on quite a rabbit hole and I had multiple shovels in that hole. It, you know, it was like protect everything, you know, mm-hmm. joint integrity is everything. And, mm-hmm. and, and then like one layer of that for me was identity related to an injury. But the, the other layers were just like, I was running around with an old story about my bones being weak and I never even had a DEXA scan. Whoa. Where did I get that from? Like, Correct. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Something or somebody implanted that in there and practitioners do that all the time either deliberately or not deliberately they can create a fear and they don't know it yeah this is the the communication pathway that really needs to get ironed out and cleaned up yeah you tell somebody that they're weak and they can take that personally and their solution that they have for not being weak anymore is to do a lot more and that's not what they necessarily need there's different the communication of what that stuff means really really needs to be tailored to the individual receiving that information Personally, like I enjoy, I, I would even say I shine in this area where I get to educate the client. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, here's the moment. 
you know, where we can cross that bridge together. And yeah, I mean, and when it, and when it works, it, you know, it's not an immediate gratification, but you know, if they come back three weeks later and they've used that information in a, in a good positive way or an appropriate, I don't want to say positive, then it's, man, it's a huge freaking win. My favorite, my favorite tool is my whiteboard with dry erase marker. Mm. Yeah. I use it in the middle of sessions. I'm, if I'm training pro major league baseball players, I'll have them come over. I'm like, Hey, this is what we're looking for. Okay. When I, when you do this exercise, I'll draw the muscle. I want you to visualize this going from here to here or, or whatever, potentially, mm. or whatever the goal is and, and make it like, you guys are really clear with this part, right? Like we need to, we need to be on the same page. If, if the desired outcome is something that I deem to be really specific, you know, it's not always that way, but it can be a really, really useful tool when they just don't quite get it. And hopefully conceptually, they start to pick it up and understand it. So they feel safer training themselves and take power back power. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to say that take power back to have the confidence to take care of themselves and not be reliant on a version of a treatment. Yeah. I mean, I think you do give away a power when you say, I need this treatment. I need this ice pack no doubt whatever yeah so i yeah i'd say that's like the right way to use it yeah the question that comes up for me is you know when you are educating people do you do you create a posture like a like a scenario where they are looking at the body or at like at anatomy and physiology let's say teaching them about their anatomy and physiology like putting the narrative into their body or taking the narrative to like more lecture, like, oh, this is how the body moves. And A to B is what we're focusing on. Or is it in your body, we're looking at A to B, and this is what's supposed to feel like. Is that a good question? The answer is yes. And it depends on who they are and how they learn. And I ask that question. Are you visual learner? Are you kinesthetic? What do you vibe with? I try it in different ways. I'll use metaphors that apply to their uh, occupation or whatever is important in their life uh, just to get it to resonate. I'll say it five different ways. I'll pull the skeleton over. I'll pull out apps and say, like, here's what you look like with your skin off. Here's what it should feel like. I go, it depends on what they need. I go for everything mm. because the most important part for me is I'm conceptually understanding what I'm trying to get across to keep it safe so they can uh-huh. progress the right way. Yeah. Conceptually understand what I'm saying. It's not their job to learn all the stuff, but like, yeah. you need to be able to teach it enough in a way where they get it and they have trust in you and you trust them that they're able to help themselves and progress. Because especially if you're pres- prescribing homework. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hardest thing ever, by the way. And you know oh. that you're going to have to tell them the same thing for 15 times and it's okay because it's not their wheelhouse. They have to learn it. They need reps in learning that. You know, just like any motor skill, I mean, it, it's it takes reps and intention to learn it until it progresses in your brain and nervous system to a point where it doesn't require any thinking at all. But you have to start with a certain point and then progress into it. You know, people like athletes that do things without thinking, they've done it enough where the information doesn't even really go to the brain, it goes to the spinal cord and back to the muscle. So it doesn't seem like they're thinking, but they just do it. You know, that's any sort of learning. What else, I guess, is in your toolbox, things that you're using? that we haven't brought up whiteboard measurement data. Well, I'm trying to do the iPad and use the Apple pencil, but my handwriting is so terrible. I don't I like the it. Apple pencil. Okay. Yeah. Here's mine. It's right here. It's dead. Oh, I'm going to use it because I bought it, but yeah, <laughs> I'm trying so hard. It, it's just, yeah, it, it, it's uh, time inefficient, you know, aside from different, you know, recovery modalities, we, we have, you know, the hyperbaric chamber with the sauna, we have different PEMF uh, devices that seem, 
people seem to have positive feedback with infrared technologies and, and things of that nature that again people seem to like and seem to like also seems to work for me obviously i want to understand what's going on a little bit with with what the idea is but there's so much new stuff out there that again requires more data and more trials and more to really understand what's going on yeah i feel like um, you have a pulse on that stuff though yeah, but, or like I'm the people the around you do yeah. yeah and i'm using the words very very appropriately it seems to work people say and seems people seem to like it yeah <laughs> that's, that's i will i am hard pressed to say absolutes yeah in sure. this industry mm-hmm. because the, the body is so adaptive like your nervous system is different moment to moment and yeah it might have worked one day and next day just your body didn't respond that way uh, like it did the first time you know yeah or your experience with it wasn't as positive that time now you actually don't you're kind of iffy if it does work for you and that's a big deal too or it was great and now you're hell-bent on doing it every day for the rest of your life to the point where you're going to go buy a hybrid chamber and put it in your basement and sleep in it and do all that stuff like there's yeah. it all feeds back into the psychological part of it and because what you're believing that the mental to the physical is a real thing and, and yeah and, and, hey man i sit there with my red light almost every day we talk back and forth and he seems to be doing a good job for me so yeah <laughs> for sure yeah <laughs> yeah no i know what you mean you know i always kind of like just say hey i buy all this stuff just to encourage your body to turn on the healing dial up yeah. you know to yeah. to recover yeah. you know that's these are the things that i think can help mostly i buy them because they worked for me first and that's you know sometimes that's all the information they get i'm like okay try it <laughs> You know. Yeah, but this affects your mitochondria. This one helps your mitochondria, 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 and that's the solution oh for everything in the world. I tried to read a book about mitochondria. It's called like Sex, Death, and and Mitochondria or something. Literally, hold on, it's on my Audible. It was so hard, and I could not follow along. So I just stopped talking about mitochondria because I was not doing anyone any favors. I think the I think the bottom line is that you're you're your your entire being is a system of systems and and they need to interrelate appropriately and if one's down something else is going to compensate something's going to change so the real goal whether that's recovery or how you train or whatever it's, it's optimizing whatever needs to be optimized to help the whole thing work better and then you got to assess and figure out what that is too, what, what needs to be worked on the most so you so your experience of life is a lot better. I wanted to ask you, I think I tried to ask this last time, but I didn't get to it. So this is totally like turn we're turning left <laughs> here. We're on a different highway. I like to do four four lefts. <laughs> four lefts. <laughs> yeah. What has translated for you from working with soccer players to major league baseball players? Uh, all of it. You know, and I, I would say for one, my experience in the professional realm, uh, that being a player, that being a coach, that being part of a medical staff, that uh, being a strength coach and uh, being in rooms and meetings with all those different hats on and looking at players from all those viewpoints uh, allows me to communicate and speak in methods and ways that these guys really understand that I understand what they're going through. You know, the zeros at the end of their paychecks were a lot different than mine, they several more. And then what I was able to build through my soccer platform and integrating you know, biomechanical analysis and, and, and different things like that 
it was a pretty not simple, but it wasn't too difficult to transition that kind of process over to baseball because the human movement, for the most part, is all pretty dang similar once you understand what the parameters are on it. Also, my process, uh, if I'm going to learn about something, I'm going to learn about something. So I spent a lot of time up at uh, hitting cages with professional hitting coaches, uh, professional pitching coaches. I traveled to Utah to work with a guy who, who runs something called biokinetics and he does you know all sorts of digitization of pitching and hitting from a three-dimensional standpoint with live action. So he'll set cameras up in a stadium and actually film these guys. He'll put the measuring cube out there and get not just data, but real life data from what their appropriate arousal levels would be with an, with a crowd and say, okay, here's what your metrics look like when you're at this level. Oh, um, like arousal. And then, like being oh, yeah, aroused, yeah. like mentally aroused. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you have to hit a certain arousal level. And, you know, if you read textbooks, uh, you know, the appropriate level, I think is from 60 to 70%. Cause if you go too high, then you get too emotional and too amped up. If you're too low, you know, you don't have the, the right output to do what you need to do. So right in that zone is where you're kind of able to think calm and clearly, but you're, you're still not kind of ready to go phase, which affects what you, what you do. And I know that from again, flying days and research and all that kind of stuff. So having all that kind of background and the mechanics background, and then having these communications with these guys and kind of being bought in and mm. learning with them and then knowing that I'm learning with them and that's yeah. just kind of how it's transitioned. Yeah. That's yeah, that's super cool. It's like the coactive learning together. Oh yeah. All the cool yeah. stuff you said. That was my favorite. <laughs> well, yeah. it started it started it started with what I know and what I've developed and worked on and it, and applying some of those concepts and methodologies to again the parameters of what they have to do and it wasn't too hard to figure that part out and then really diving in and researching and learning about the stuff that I didn't know all that much about and then again integrating all that together. And now it's turned into whatever it is now. Whatever it is now. Mm-hmm. So what are you professionally developing? Like what what's on the horizon for your brand? Again, expanding uh, with, with, with um, bringing in new people. I think, I don't know if you're recording when I, when I said this, but you know, the positive out of the negative of being injured and having your career cut short um, was that I transitioned into coaching at a really young age and people that I've coached uh, have now gone through their playing careers and are interested in learning about the stuff that I've developed. And those are the type of people that I'm training. So I have former high level players and professionals that are interested in this process and so I try to guide them and, and, and help them develop. And now there's enough of them where I can expand and try to uh, help more people in, a, in, a, in an appropriate way. So camps and things like that or whatever we need to do. And, and you know, that's, that's the next step in, in doing that in multiple markets, yeah. hopefully. Do you yeah. have anybody on the East Coast? Not yet. Uh, no, I'm only to Chicago right now. Okay, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, I hope you get a little map and you start pinpointing it because that's that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yep. Well, I have to wrap this up. It's been amazing, cool. you know, growing together and you know keeping the communication lines open and honestly, you know, to be able to, you know express and share the growing pains that I have and the thinking pains that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very here, special to me. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. And, you know, I think it'll make a good conversation. Where can people reach you? 
if you want to be reached? <laughs> um, Instagram uh, at Dragavon Performance. Yep. Uh, my last name is interesting. D-R-A-G-A-V-O-N. Mm-hmm. I think my website is dragonperformance.com. I should know that. Mm-hmm. I'm also on the website athletictraininginstitute.com. And I don't do Twitter. I might have one. I'm not doing it. No. Facebook, I have one. I don't do it. I've been doing that thing for yeah. years, which is well, which is yeah, just fine. Instagram, that's where the party is. I get it. Oh, I like pictures. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna. You're gonna get some puppy pictures from me soon. Sweet. Love it. Okay, Love sweet. It. Yeah. Say no more. All right, man. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Cool. All right. Good bye. to talk to you. Bye. bye. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of the Think Fit, Be Fit podcast network. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. If you're interested in further resources, check out or visit our website, thinkfitbefitpodcast.com.